Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I didn't follow much news uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I, I really don't follow sports anymore. I mean, fitting in with my New Year's resolution, maybe I should go back to following sports, because less... I used to watch TV. I used to watch sitcoms. I used to watch sports. I was happier back then. Maybe I'd be better off to go back to mindless fluff like that. Anyway. Judy and um, I have really been enjoying Peaky Blinders, which I've had recommended to me many, many times. I've watched a little of a couple episodes. That's some show. It's the Sopranos transplanted to Birmingham, England after the First World War. Yeah. Essentially. But it's good. A little violent. But, but well done, really, really you gotta, well done. You deserve a nice pick in the eye, you're going to get a nice pick in the eye. That's the way of the world. Um, I got into something. Oh, I'm, uh, I bought a piano and started practicing the piano. I've oh. been doing a lot of that. That's well, got to be man. good for you, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely, Seems 100%. Like yeah. I wish I could honestly tell the story of moving the piano, though. I don't think I can without getting in trouble. Really? Yeah. What'd you do? Let me think about it. Maybe I can tell it. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's fine. Is your load secure? Mm. Mm. (laughs) Like Michael always says, I'm sure it'd be fine. Go ahead. Um, It's got to do with stereotypes about certain uh, uh, groups of people and their uh, uh, strength and sturdiness. Oh, piano checkers. I I won't go there. There could be no upside to this story. Bunch of piano backs over there, huh? Am I wrong? (laughs) But I heard something about... (laughs) I heard something about this Antonio Brown, who's a well-known uh, Kukula uh, football player who kind of went off the rails again. And I think this clip is going to bring us up to, up to speed on everything that happened. Antonio Brown, that's Antonio Brown without his uniform, we are told, without his jersey and running out of the field. I don't know if that could have been a penalty. All right, Jen Hale, get after that. we got to find out what's going on there. She's got to catch him first. It's unbelievable. He's had his issues off the field. Now he's on the field creating an issue. Guys, very odd situation. Antonio Brown boiled over, very upset on the sideline, took off his shoulder pads. Mike Evans, O.J. Howard trying to convince him to keep them on. Obviously, they were unable to do so. He tossed his shoulder pads, stripped off his shirt and glove, threw those into the crowd, then ran across the field while the teams were still on the field, giving the crowd a peace out sign. I think everyone should should be very compassionate and empathetic toward um, some very difficult things that are happening. He is no longer a buck. All right, that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Shocking uh, story for the world of sports. So that was Tom Brady in there, I think, just trying yes. to say, hey, this guy's got mental issues, so let's just... And the final voice was the coach of the Buccaneers. So the guy f- stripped off all his clothes, stripped well, off most of the uniform, started throwing, around, on. started throwing them around while the game's still on. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he chucked off his uh, his jersey and his uh, shoulder pads, and then he walked across the field, uh, waving. Well, first of all, he took off his t-shirt, and he's just ripped. Oh my god! Um, and threw his t-shirt and his gloves into the stand, then trotted across the end zone, w- uh, hyping the fans and giving a peace out and everything, and just left. Well, what we need is the great arbiter of right and wrong and morality, <laughs> O.J. Simpson, to weigh in. There's one thing that we all agree on, as well as the other people here, is what Tom Brady has done for Antonio Brown. For him to pull what he pulled today is completely inexcusable. Inexcusable. Playoffs are coming up, and you pull this crap 
on a guy who really went out on a limb for you. Totally BS. Inexcusable. Take it. OJ clearly drunk. I hope he's not an angry drunk. OJ Simpson declaring something inexcusable by a football player is just it's just too much. Yeah, I was going through the Twitter comments to that. Uh, it was kind of funny with a lot of the. I'll bet it was. He threw his gloves like you threw your glove. Oh, a lot of that sort of thing. That's good. Well played, my friend. What is it with OJ Simpson and people named Brown? That was a common oh, refrain. Geez. Antonio Brown or Nicole. Oh, wow. Inexcusable. I agree with you, Juice. You just can't put up with that sort of behavior out of your football player. Total BS. Total BS, man. Agreed, Juice. Juice. (laughs) I didn't actually see it, so. You don't seem to have any appreciation for irony, Juice. (laughs) So, it's an athlete that's a... He's a phenomenally gifted athlete. He's troubled. He's always been troubled. I don't know if he's crazy or, or... just not very bright or both or whatever. He's been accused of, you know, sexual harassment and not paying bills and just he's flaked out on several teams. He just he's he's so gifted. Teams want to take a chance. And Tom Brady thinks highly of the guy convinced the Bucks to to put him on the field and he flaked. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of wild to watch it, but he's a troubled young man. Honestly, I hate to be a killjoy. What did you mostly do during the two weeks we were off? Played a fair amount of golf when weather permitted. Uh, had a great visit with Little D, my daughter. Huh, my youngest awesome. came home. My, my two older kids, and it's sad. I'm trying to remember my time at their age. They're both working uh, more or less hourly jobs, uh, both of them in fields that get busier during the holidays, and they both live far enough away that it would be, you know, a full day travel and a full day back. And expensive. It, and and expen- well, I'd be willing to foot that bill, honestly. But um, uh, and it's just it's too hard for them. Plus, they have significant others, both of them, and they have lives where they are. So it's uh, among their first ever out on their own Christmases, and it's a little sad for me. But I'm trying to be happy for them. Yeah, I remember when I was roughly that age. That's when I was not joining in the family, original family get-togethers. Yeah, for yeah. those reasons. And I miss them like crazy, but they both live in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest. And so, uh, Judy and I... Be more specific. <laughs> Washington and Oregon. Um, and so we're going to, at some point, probably uh, like March, uh, we're going to uh, trek upward uh, to the Northwest and have a, a Christmas junior with them. My original nuclear family that I came out of, we all got together, me, my two brothers, mom and dad, who are grandma and grandpa, to my kids and my brother's kids my brother's nieces are all so fantastic they set the bar really high for successful parenting and i just wow. don't think i'm gonna get there wow i just i don't i don't know i need to ask for more recommendations or something um but really amazing how my nieces have turned out and they're they had kids at normal ages my my brothers did not like me so they're Two in college and one in high school. but Jack, the Tony Randall of the radio business, really. But it reminds me... Um, the Mick Jagger, if you will. Oh, geez. Well, I am parenting my kids. I'm not having them and disappearing. Good distinction, yeah. sir. Well said. I Practically the only thing I do is parent my kids, um, which is fine with me. That's what I signed up for. That's what I want to do. I did it on purpose. Um, 
But I, interesting, did you see David Brooks' thing in the New York Times about the nuclear family? Or it might have been in the Atlantic. He is a Oh, co- yes. He's a I columnist did. for the New York Times, and he got a fair amount of attention a couple of weeks ago because he's a conservative, using my finger quotes, by New York Times standards. And he left the Republican Party and wrote a column about it, and it got a, a whole bunch of attention. And I wish this other article that he had read written had gotten as much attention. Who cares about who leaves a party or whatever? That's sort of inside Beltway pundit crap who cares but he wrote an interesting part about the failure of the idea of the nuclear family when i first saw the saw the headline i thought i'm gonna hate this um that's so funny exactly the same because i'm pro-nuclear family or at least until i looked at it through this lens you know i just think there's i I really don't think there's anything more important than family at all but his idea was that Somehow we went down this road of the nuclear family being the building block of society. And by nuclear family, we mean mom, dad, and kids. And what has worked throughout history for human beings is mom, dad, kids, brothers, sisters, grandparents, cousins. Right. All being together and working together as a unit. And the nuclear family, he said, is not working. For one thing tends to not hold families together as well, which I think is completely clear. And all the just all the different things. I mean, watching my kids around grandma and grandpa and my brothers and cousins, the amount of influence they got just in the couple of days we were together from, you know, the people that raised me, from the people Mm -hmm. that are my siblings, seeing how we interact as adults and them as kids and we were kids, you know, all all that different stuff plays such a huge role. And a lot of you are fortunate enough that you are living that old... I know people. Um, my son's best friend. Uh, there's nine nine kids, the adults, and they're all together, and they all... Everything is... Everything... Babysitters are always brothers, sisters, cousins, that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, and grandma and grandpa are always around. That's just awesome. But for a lot of us, that's not the way we've crafted our lives, and we, we're missing out on a lot. Yeah, and uh, one of the points Brooks makes, and, and others have made, and I think it makes pretty good sense also, is that... So much of the world at this point is designed purely to make us economical animals, um, economic animals, spenders, uh, you know, uh, workers, consumers, economic animals. Um, when life is so much more than that, and and so you have just the nuclear family and that pressure to to say be in a nice house, have nice cars, mean both mom and dad have to work, and then you're farming out childcare, etc. Whether it's to a childcare center or a babysitter or whatever, um, and in some cases, absolutely, it's a necessity. And one thing, one of my, it's not a New Year's resolution exactly, but I've rededicated myself, and part of it was inspired by the essay from Abigail Schreier. I read you chunks of early in the show. If you missed it, go get the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. But she was talking about the reason she wrote her book, Irreversible Damage, about the craze of adolescent girls to decide they're transgender. And then the rush to get them carved up and hormoned up and the rest of it and the irreversible damage it does. She wrote the book because it's true. She wasn't looking to make a point. She wasn't, she's not an activist. She's not a rabble rouser. She's not a troll. She saw this and she wrote it because it is. And the fact that it makes you or me or anybody else uncomfortable to come to terms with what is, is not an excuse to avoid it. Rather long tangent to what we were talking about. 
uh, I, I'll speak for myself. I am not judging anybody who has their kid in daycare, babysitters, whatever. For a lot of people, depending on where you live, that's the only way to feed yourselves or, or whatever. Again, you run your life the way you see fit. But as a society, we've gotten away from the extended family being the unit and the availability of child care, help with meals. Uh, you know, the, the, the tree falls down. Who do I turn to to help me with it? You know, I'm trying to think of some manly, manful things and, and that sort of thing. Who mentors your sons? Who yeah, mentors your daughters? The role model aspect of it is huge. Oh, it's enormous. It's enormous. And I think we have in the last... You know, and, and Brooks is pretty specific about this, but the trend away from the extended family generally staying in a geographic location um, to the nuclear family being its own unit, very much a unit. You know, that's just been like a half a century, mm-hmm. and that's nothing. Please, that is that is a microsecond in terms of the human experience, and and it does leave certain things to be desired. And it, I think it's worth taking a look at. I'll dig that up. We'll have the link at armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, it's an interesting notion. I hadn't heard anybody bring up before. And, you know, uh, and one more tangent, uh, trying to explain what I was, because uh, I don't want to offend anybody, not because I hesitate to offend people. If you've ever listened to the show, you know what happens regularly. But we as a society, particularly m- American media and social media, rush to Good thing, bad thing. In favor of it, against it. Good for Republicans, bad for Democrats. You know, which tribe am I in? We don't spend enough time just taking in truth and thinking about it and rubbing our chins and thinking, wow, that's good in some ways and bad in some ways. Some of that was unanticipated. The, you know, the whole unanticipated, what's the uh, rule of unanticipated consequences? Uh, You know, I think we could all stand to be a little slower. A little slower to judge. And everything in life is a trade-off. Everything. Sure. Oh, 100%. And why people can't always grasp that. Yeah. This yeah. is better, but this will be worse. Let's weigh them and choose a side. But there are yeah. always trade-offs. Yeah. You remember uh, when you traded that 800-pound hog for that used car, Michael? That was a trade-off. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I mean, you don't have that hog anymore, and some days you miss him, don't you? I do. <laughs> you have a way to get to work, but it's the last time you had bacon. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, God, bacon? I went shopping with Judy. What the hell happened? Oh, we got to take a break. <laughs> we got to take a break. I'd rather have, you could buy a bowl, gold bar before you could buy the equivalent weight of, of meat. <laughs> Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, I just read something funny about my New Year's resolution. Maybe later. Um, (laughs) So I just came across this. I'm shifting gears. I had something that's kind of breaking news, but maybe I'll get to that later. This is fascinating, and I think it's good news for Joe and I, for the Armstrong and Getty Show in general. Yes, please. News engagement went off a cliff in 2021. Just off a cliff. I mean, the numbers are staggering. And it's even more staggering the more partisan the news coverage is, the bigger the drop in people that were interested in it. It has been absolutely striking to me the number of people in my real life who've said to me, I've just stopped paying attention. Yeah. Well, a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think as a show that uh, tries really hard to not be partisan, 
Um, despite what some of you say or think, you're just wrong. Well, um, we have a point of view which yeah. we express, but it's not about the tribal, you know, silliness or hiding facts or whatever. Uh, primetime news viewership was down 36% across the three Holy major cable networks. Cow. I know, these are huge drops. App downloads for the top 12 mainstream publishers dropped 33%. Engagement on social media with news articles dropped 65% last year. By the way, it's worth pointing out to folks who are not familiar with this stuff, if if those numbers were 10%, it would be a crisis. There would be high-level meetings. And it's triple, six times that. Websites for the top performing news websites in the United States dropped 8% over the first 11 months. Um, there's all kinds of examples of this. And again, the more partisan the uh, thing was, the more the more it dropped. And they say it would be much higher if it hadn't been for the Capitol riots, which caused a spike in all kinds of news coverage for a couple of weeks. If you take that out, the drops are even more significant. Hmm. So this whole being fed crap that is only kind of true or just makes you feel better... Um, I don't think it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, people are so much smarter than what the, the major media folks give them credit for. And or they're just not capable of delivering something that will satisfy y- y'all. It, it struck me coming back, uh, you know, to, to check it in with the news and what's happening in the world, the rest of it, how performative it all was, how it, it's so obviously intended just to whip you up, make you angry, make you click, make you contribute money or whatever. It's it's emotional manipulation. It's not information. Yeah. I don't watch the news. Good, Good decision, on. my boy. <laughs> well, actually, I'm I'm pro being informed, but you got to make your choices on what you take your information in from, or you're just wasting your time. Yep. In Agreed. fact, you're worse than uninformed. You're misinformed. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I like having New Year's resolutions because you can just make them up as you go. Uh, sort of like the CDC rules on COVID. <laughs> when that joke works on The Tonight Show with a crowd making a joke about the CDC making up the rules as they go along, you've completely lost all authority to make any decisions. Which I think is part of why Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of Great Britain, just announced no new COVID curbs. The country can ride out the Omicron wave. Not only is it the right policy, it's because he, like the CDC here, have recognized they don't have the ability to crack down anyway. And that will just make it way too obvious if they make new rules that nobody follows. That's a good point. They've realized they've lost their moral authority. They've lost their logical authority. Nobody thinks of them as uh, some sort of objective arbiter of what's good and what's bad anymore. They're just a politically driven bunch of, you know, scientists, some of whom are, are trying as hard as they can and have just been wrong. Some of whom are ideologues, but uh, their, their credibility shot. You know, I hadn't intended to do this, but I think it's worth uh, doing. Uh, for instance, how long did we hear this sort of thing from the most authoritative voices in America? Clip 37, please, Michael. The various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Vaccines prevent 
getting infected, prevent getting sick, prevent your hospitalization. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real-world data. We could go on and on and on and on with similar clips. And some folks have gone too far the other way, saying these uh, vaccines don't do any good. They're fake, blah, blah, blah. No, they're enormously helpful for preventing hospitalization and death with a waning efficacy as the months go by, hence the boosters. Okay, Um, but they were so wrong for so long. Even now, you got various municipalities pushing cloth masks that do no good. I was in an airport full of thousands of people yesterday in Denver. We we're all wearing masks that all the experts say are pointless. Pointless against Omicron. Right. right. Yep. But we keep doing it. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll give up authority when we tell you we're ready to. See, that's the problem. It's not the disease thing. How do they not recognize what that does to the relationship between people and the powerful when you're saying crap we know isn't true? Yeah. Yeah. You're making me wear a mask when your your own experts are saying they're pointless. Okay, what's going on here? Well, and as have we as we've warned you over and over again, there is now a presumption of control as it as opposed to a presumption of liberty. There has to be incontroversial or incontrovertible evidence that it's okay to be free and live our lives before they'll let us. There's got to be a verdict beyond a reasonable doubt that we should be free, otherwise they'll keep control. But we warned you. So speaking of the vid, and we have a bunch of headlines, many of which have nothing to do with it, but uh, AOC spotted in Florida maskless partying at a crowded bar. Ron DeSantis asked uh, about it. The governor, he said, if I had a dollar for every lockdown politician who decided to escape to Florida over the last two years, I'd be a pretty doggone wealthy man, let me tell you. Well, AOC cracked back at him on Twitter saying, He's been inexplicably missing. Where's he been for the last two weeks? Well, he was with his wife, who was undergoing rather painful chemotherapy, he said. To which she replied, oh, never mind. So there's that. That's fine. There, and, and again, a lot of people revel in this. Oh, we caught her without her mask, blah, blah, blah. To quote Tom McClintock, congressman from California, at least she has the good sense to ignore her own idiotic mandate. <laughs> Moving along, former Veep Mike Pence filed an amicus brief with the Supreme Court to block the Biden OSHA mandate that companies with 100 or more workers need to figure out who's unvaccinated and test them weekly, etc., etc. Other courts have ruled, no, nah, that's crazy overreach. Um, and uh, and everybody's waiting for the soups to uh, to rule on it. I thought one point he made was pretty darned interesting. Point Um, that Pence made or Biden made? uh, That uh, Biden and the amicus brief made. Okay. um, Said uh, they looked at past emergency actions by OSHA and found that none of them attempted to require or coerce employees, quote, to undertake a medical procedure that cannot be undone at the end of the workday. Every previous OSHA emergency procedure started when you walked into the, the the factory and ended when you walked out. There's no medical procedures involved. Moving along, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, great example of what we were talking about before. Incredibly smart guy, well-grounded in the Constitution. I agree with him 
when he's being serious, virtually all the time, as high as any politician, but he has thoroughly embraced uh, the crowdsourcing, uh, 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 clickbaity, whipping people up, getting campaign contributions kind of social media performative politics of the day. I've, yes. got, I've got a Ted Cruz nugget in a moment, but I'll hold yes. on to it. Yes. Well, he has said that a Republican-led House after the 2022 elections likely will consider impeaching President Biden on multiple grounds. No, it won't. Yes, it will. <laughs> True international average of pressure. Yes, that's right. Did he name any of the grounds? He said the current world and its impeachment standards are what the Democrats have created, whether it's justified or not. And there's going to be a huge demand mm. for Republicans. He's right about this. To, to lay the wood to Biden. He's right about that. He said, I think which was pot- one of the arguments people had about the, the last couple of impeachments. Sure. Yeah, it's a legit point. You know, you could argue, well, don't don't do that. Don't lower yourself. But eh. these I think there are potentially multiple grounds to consider for impeachment. Probably the most compelling is the utter lawlessness. President Biden uh, is President Biden to enforce the border. His decision to just um, defy immigration laws. He said that's probably the strongest ground right now for impeachment. But there may be others. So you have a Ted Cruz nugget, do you? I do. That fits in with a clip. So Ted Cruz the other day, he was asked if he's going to run for president. And he said, well, I'm not ruling it out. He said, history shows us that the person that finished second is almost always the nominee. And he finished second to Trump. Hmm. And if you go back through history, that's true. That person, if, if whoever gets elected, blah, blah, blah. So the history is, is on his side, which leads me to this. The other say uh, on ABC this week, they had their round table with some really smart people on there. Some of the voices you recognize, some of them you won't, with a lot of political experience. Ask a question about the likelihood of Trump and Biden running against each other again. I'm going to throw something out there about 2024. What are the chances you give just a number that it'll be a rematch between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? 50 percent. Up, up. I'm at 80. I believe 100% that Trump is running again. I don't know what Biden's going to do yet. The, the matchup is the question? Yeah. 30%. 30%. <laughs> I'm closer to Chris than everybody else. So Chris Christie at 30% and Stephanopoulos closer to him. But Sarah Isger, who does this for a living and has worked on campaigns, has it at 80%. Donna Brazile had it at 50%. She ran Al Gore's campaign and a bunch of others. I got it at 3%, and I will bet Sarah Isger any sum of money she mentions. So what's amazing about anybody saying, really, even 30, but 50 or 80, is you got to have both of them running. Right. And They're wrong. While I think Trump has the nomination if he wants it, whether or not he's going to run again, I don't have any idea. And for both of them to run and end up the nominee... There is a zero percent chance of Biden even seeking the nomination, much less getting it. None. Zero. Goose egg. S all. Nothing. (laughs) I thought that was extraordinary. I'm not sure. It goes to show you how good the conventional wisdom is, my friends. I'm not sure the party would nominate him. No, no. His own party, I mean. Right. He doesn't want it. They don't want to give it to him. He may be south of the grass. <laughs> yes, God rest his soul. He may be indeed. That's That just goes to show you, folks, how seriously to take the conventional wisdom. 
I, thought I would was... love to have a word with Sarah Isger. <laughs> she, and by the way, she is as smart as a whip. Oh, yeah, Harvard lawyer. Oh, and as cute as a button. Right, uh, but she's so wrong, she is hilariously wrong. <laughs> and I will stand by my words, folks. I'm not going to vow to eat any sort of motor vehicles. Um, but I absolutely stand by when that. When I heard that, I thought Joe would take that action. Oh, God. Please, what an idiotic opinion. So I, you know what? I crossed the line. What, how can you ignore what is plainly true? And that's, never mind the Trump situation. The further we get from the Trump administration, the less support he's going to have, number sure. one. Number two, he is well into his 70s and will be even further into his 70s when it comes time to decide. Number three, he really enjoys his life and found the presidency extremely appealing in some ways and extremely off-putting in some ways. Okay, it's just, forget it, it's not going to happen. A couple more quick headlines. Illegal immigrant by the name of Felix Alva took to the streets of of Denver in the wake of George Floyd's death way back in 2020. He was jeering at police, got drunk, challenged officers to fights. At one point, told an undercover cop that this ain't no peaceful protest. He waved a pistol at bystanders. At one point, according to investigators, he fired eight shots into the air at a police helicopter circling overhead. He was only convicted of a single crime, being in the country illegally while in possession of a firearm. That's against the law. The Second Amendment guarantees the right to bear arms to the people. And there is a huge area of constitutional law that asks, when the people are mentioned, do they just mean citizens? He's clearly a people. He is clearly a person. He has the right to free speech. You can't prior restrain him publishing something. So the great clash for the left, and you know, in some ways the right too, is going to be, can an illegal take advantage of the Second Amendment? Hmm. Say, I have a right to, to defend myself. That's interesting. Yeah, that is going to be a really interesting case. Um, there is uh, one of those cases now before the Supreme Court, of uh, Javier Perez, an illegal immigrant who used a gun to disperse a gang of teens attacking another teen. Oh, he asked the justices to take up the matter and settle the question. So, oh, man, we're running kind of late. Uh, do we have time for one more? Uh, why don't we just uh, take a break? We'll come Got back. a good tease. Ooh. Got new dogs. They've they've announced <laughs> new dogs that they're allowing into the, uh, the American Kennel Club so it can be in Westminster. Jack, Jack, when a mommy dog and a... <laughs> Daddy dog really love each other. You're gonna get new dogs. <laughs> new dog breeds. It's easy. New dog breeds that they're Happens allowing. Happens every day. Stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So some uh, news that just came out, this fits in with a lot of conversations I had during the break with uh, my dad and brothers and uh, other people. Um, How long is it going to take, even best case scenario, for everything to get back to normal, whatever, I don't know if everything's ever going to get back to normal, I don't know what, but you had hundreds of thousands of businesses close for good. Um, we had trillions of dollars pumped into the economy. Mm. 
And we have all these people quitting their jobs and taking new jobs and more job openings than we've ever had. So the news that is just out, breaking news, more than four and a half million people quit their jobs in November. It's the biggest number ever. It's probably the biggest number in the history of capitalism. Four and a half million people quit their jobs in November. Nobody has the slightest idea. Oh, and every stock uh, index set a record, I think, yesterday and, and for the year and every day since the new year started. I mean, so all of these things are unprecedented. Nobody has the slightest idea where this is going, how this is going to turn out. How long will it take to shake out, do you think? Oh, my gosh. Help wanted signs. Every single restaurant convenience store I went into, over seven states and 3,000 miles, help wanted signs, or be kind to the people that showed up to work. They're doing their best because we're shorthanded, those kind of signs. How long before we get into any sort of, like, balance? Well, in the whole supply chain thing. Right. I I don't know. I don't have the slightest idea. No, neither does anybody else. I mean, it's a rhetorical question, and I, I know there's not an answer, but... God, it could be years. Years. Yeah. yeah. Weird, man. Yeah, and, Judy and, and I were scary. trying to buy a, uh, a freezer for our, our uh, garage. Forget it. Forget right. It. You might as well try to buy a time machine there, Stewie. Or a white rhinoceros. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, it's scary, though. I mean, I just when you've got this much stuff unsettled, some very frightening, not good things could come out of it. Or it could be a gateway to something new and better. <laughs> Come on, everybody. I doubt it. Let's take a positive look at things. Okay, we've got new dogs, new dog breeds that are being allowed into the Westminster Dog Show. The American Kennel Club has added a couple of breeds that they're accepting as, those are real dogs. Those over there are not real dogs. They might bark and have four legs and hate cats, but those are not <laughs> dogs. These are dogs. Meh. The whole American Kennel Club thing is stupid, always has been. Look at some of the YouTube videos where people get... Cats registered as purebred dogs to show you how real the whole stupid thing is. Anyway, there are two new breeds in the uh, AKC. One is a Russian toy dog called the Moody. Wow. Wow. You cannot be trusted. I cannot. I had an idea, but it didn't work. Did you <laughs> no, it dog? didn't. Did you, did you hit the dumb button, Michael? Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Um, so the new Moody, but you, you need to know this. If you get two of them, they're called a Moodick. That's the plural of Moody. So you don't have two pugs or two German shepherds or two poodles. You have a Moody or several Moodic. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, there's also the Barbette, the Beer Terrier, the Belgian Lacanos, and the Dogo Argentino are all new dogs that are considered real dogs. Damn right. There's already an Elvis of Throat now presenting Armstrong and Getty. This is just as good in 2022 as I liked it last year. Hmm. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Thank you, Jack. You know, we could use some new, refreshed Final Thoughts introductions if you're the creative sort. Uh, Go ahead and craft them, then email them to us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There's our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, it's great to be back. I did a lot of Christmas stuff, had a lot, had a good time, but I'm sick of Hallmark movies. You know, to the people at Hallmark, make one of them so that there's a bad ending. They always end up good. <laughs> just one bad ending. You just is all want I the am. family to stay poor and they don't yeah. find the wife or something yeah. like that? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, final thought? You know, my uh, my fiance has a friend. She posts about her dry January all the time and how she's dealing with it. I'm now going to do wet January. I'm getting absolutely sauced every <laughs> single night yeah. and posting on her story specifically. That's about not how a bad plan. If you're not much of a drinker, get extra hammered every day this month. That's a good one counterbalance there are a lot of good hard-working people in the liquor business who need your business jack a final thought to share with us i mentioned my new year's resolution is to not have a life that sucks because my life sucked last year uh we got this text that's a big change from your new year's resolution last year which was to get a new pair of glasses that's right (laughs) (laughs) which i did i fulfilled that new year's resolution i got a new pair of glasses and while I realize that this is indeed the 4th of January, it is our first show of the year, so I'll repeat our freedom-loving quote of the day uh, from Brad Paisley, the musician of all uh, people. Uh, Today's the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. That's good. Yeah, right. come on. Be an optimist. Go, go grab this year. Do something good with it. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can grab any segment of the show you missed via podcast. It's Armstrong and Getty On Demand or wherever you like to get podcasts. You can email us if there's something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. You gotta be kidding me. I said bye. Let me say say one thing. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Point of personal privilege. Social media is an inch deep ocean of outrage. It's true. Absolutely. So let's go out with a bang. Working harder, hardly working. Ah! (laughs) 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 You idiot. Okay. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.